Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to go ahead and subscribe to our Journey YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you all right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Are you guys ready to talk about what I got talking about today? <laughs> Are ready? Let's jump into today's topic, what I want to cover today. Um, it is 14 days, in my math correct, 14 days till Christmas. Is that correct? Do any adults know how much time you have left? Because I guarantee if you go over there on that other side of the hallway, every single kid knows how many days it is till Christmas. They have been waiting for Christmas for a while. And I got to thinking about that. Um, I remember being, I think I was 10 or 11. I can't be sure the age. I just know that my two younger brothers, I had, my brother, one brother is almost three years behind me. I think he was around eight, uh, somewhere in there. And the youngest brother was around four or five, old enough for us all to be waiting for one thing to show up on Christmas Day. We were really excited about this gift, the, the castle of Skull. I don't know, I hear this is coming back that a lot of adults are buying this for sentimental reasons, but um, let me just tell you, me and my brothers were so excited. I mean, we could not wait because we were begging for the Castle of Grayskull for months. I mean, you guys remember the catalogs, JCPenney's and Sears catalogs? We, we were like, Mom and Dad, Castle of Grayskull, Castle of Grayskull. All of the three of us were like, we'll all play together on it, Mom and Dad. We'll be sweet little angels. And we'll never fight over any He-Man or Man-in-Arms or Skeletor. No, no, no. It will be wonderful. And listen, we were so excited when we found the Castle of Grayskull in the back of the station wagon one Sunday night while our parents were inside still talking at church. Because me and my brothers were like, dude, the Castle of Grayskull's under the coats in the back of the wagon. Of course, our youngest brother was like, what? And we were like, no, just, just, you know, we're trying to keep the Santa Claus thing for real. But we were like so pumped. And I don't know who told to this day, who told on us, but we're opening Christmas presents. We didn't care about anything. We opened all the stuff up and we're like, Where's the next one, mom? We know there's one more. And she's like, no, there's not. We were like, but, we, but the Castle of Grace called. She said, sometimes you get what you want and sometimes you don't. It's like, are you kidding me right now? She made us wait all afternoon. And she gave it to us that evening. And she said, next time you go peeking, it will disappear. <laughs> so just so you know, like, I want to talk about this idea of waiting, right? So I want, to, I want to ask you guys a question. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on this Christmas? What have you been praying about? What have you been working for? What have you been desperate for God to step into your life and do? Waiting is hard, as an adult, you think about waiting for Christmas, and you're like, man, I wish I could have that expectation, that want to for Christmas again, that kind of like heightened idea. But listen, let me just ask you this question. When you're waiting for something that doesn't seem to be happening, what do you do in the middle of that? Because you guys know this, when you have to sit and wait on something, it's hard to wait it uses up a lot of energy. You're, you're burning so many calories. You're not doing anything. But when you wait and you wait and you wait, don't you get tired? Yeah, because there's a weariness in waiting. You can get weary waiting on God to do what only he can do. You can get weary 
doing the things that you know are supposed to produce blessing in your life, but it doesn't seem like the blessing is happening. You can get really tired of doing all the right things, and it doesn't seem like any of the right things are turning around and giving you anything in life. I know we went from Castle Grace Call to this, but listen, here's what I want to help you understand this morning. There's a way to wait. And so whether this morning you're waiting on a diagnosis and you don't know what's going to happen and you're waiting for doctors to tell you and you're waiting and waiting, waiting just to find out what's happening with your body or body of, uh, of a child or, or a parent and you just don't know and you're waiting, waiting, what is the treatment? What's going to be? How long is it going to take? Or you're, or you're waiting to see if healing will come because you've been, God, please take my anxiety and worry. Heal me from this. I don't want to carry this any longer. You've been praying for this for a long time. And some of you are in the midst of, you've been trying, you gave to this offering, you're trying to figure out how to be more generous and you look at the numbers and you're trying to do what you know God wants you to do, but it is hard and you're like, God, can't you just bless me with a big check right now because I tried to give and I'm trying to do it, but I don't see how it's gonna work. And you're in the midst of this really, really difficult waiting period to figure out if God's gonna come through for you or not. So whether you're waiting for a child to come back home who's gone astray, waiting for a grandchild to turn around and see that Jesus is for him, not against him, whatever it is you're waiting on this Christmas season, I want to ask you this question. Can you remain strong when the waiting is so, so long? Let me just, let me just tell you two things this morning. Listen, if you're in that waiting season, if you're in a season, I just want you to know that this is not uncommon. Like, it's okay to be weary and tired for waiting. It's okay. It doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It just means that this is part of following Jesus. If nobody told you, part of following Jesus will mean there are seasons of waiting. And then number two, I want to tell you, you are not alone in waiting. This is the amazing thing about waiting. It makes you feel like you don't have anybody. But the truth is, you have at least one person on your side while waiting. God is with you. So I want to talk to you guys today about a group of people who waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. There is nobody who understands this better than the Jewish people as you read about them in Scripture from Genesis and when their story begins all the way through, they kept waiting for God to fix it, <laughs> right? And by fix it, I mean they knew they were called and God promised them, at some point I am going to send me, my representative, part of me, I'm gonna send me to fix it and I'm gonna come and be your king. So you wait on me, I'm coming. That was one of the very first things that they learned about as God made them his people and brought them out of Egypt and, and did the whole thing through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph and all the, the 12 tribes. And as he produced this number of people, he said, you will be a blessing to all the nations and I will come and be that blessing and I will make sure that you can accomplish spreading this good news that I love all these people and you'll be a part of that. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And they waited so long, they got tired of not having a king because they saw all the other nations with kings. And then they decided to establish their own king. And they got their own earthly king to represent them. And about four or five generations ends of kings, they had 
you know, King Saul, and he didn't work out so well, and then King David, and then his son, King Solomon, he built the temple, and everything seemed to be going great for a few years, and then boom, a couple generations, and it just went really bad. In fact, in about 975 BC, the, the whole kingdom of Israel split in half into a northern and southern kingdom. And I don't know if you, you guys have thought about this, but the northern kingdom covered this up here, this kind of dark blue, and the southern kingdom, I don't know if you can see it, but Judah was the southern kingdom, and the tribe of Judah was in this area, and Jerusalem was their capital city, and that kind of like that, if you read the New Testament, a lot of happens in Jerusalem. If you're thinking about Christmas, like Bethlehem is like right here, like in the, out in the country around Jerusalem, and so Jesus was from the southern kingdom, and there was just a remnant of really faithful people in Judah all through the history, and about 200 years after the split, of these two kingdoms, a huge uh, new uh, superpower arose in this area called Assyria. And, and Assyria was being just a bully to everybody around them. So the king of Israel and then a king of a neighboring kingdom called Aram got together and said, hey, we should go down to Judah and get the king of Judah to be a, a partner in this. And we should go after Assyria and let them know that we're not gonna allow them to come into our area. And they were trying to be like proactive in this. And the king of Judah, Ahaz, was, if you look him up, he was one of the worst kings in all of history of Judah. In fact, he was so bad, they didn't even bury him with the rest of the kings uh, we learn about in, in uh, Kings and Chronicles. And he is so terrible. But he, he was like, I'm not gonna join up with Israel and Aram. This is a, this is a fool's errand. I'm just gonna delay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not send them my answer whether I'm joining and just see what happens. And it ends up Aram and, and Israel attack Judah basically to prove that you're being disloyal. You, we kind of have a loyalty together and you're being disloyal to us. So we're going to attack you ahead of time and take over and then take your army with. So they were trying to do this whole uh, coup. And in the middle of this, there's a faithful remnant of, 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 who are waiting for, God, we have these terrible kings they're putting in terrible political crisis and all this stuff is going, what, when are you going to come and fix this? When are you going to come? And God sends a prophet named Isaiah. And I want to read some scripture from Isaiah chapter 40 that I hope for those of you who are in a waiting season can become something that you read and you read this ancient Hebrew poetry and you take from it comfort because these Jewish people waited and waited hundreds of years. And by the way, when Isaiah is, is giving this message, it's another 700 years before Jesus shows up. We can't even, I can't even fathom that. Our country is 200 and some odd years old. I can't even do math. We're just somewhere, we're just barely over 200 years old. I can't imagine waiting 700 years for God to fulfill something, right? So, Here's what Isaiah writes in chapter 40. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. He says, first thing God is saying to you guys is, guys, I get it, but be comforted. I'm here. I, I'm not a far away. Be at ease. And then he says this in verse 11. He says, Isaiah says, God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. The verse goes on, and he gently leads those that have young. Isaiah reminds the people who are waiting for God to show up. Do you, do you guys know what kind of God you're following? Do you know what kind of God you're waiting on? He is carrying you close to his heart, and he is leading you gently. Don't forget he is a God of comfort and care. He has not left you. 
I know this, this seems odd to think about, but in the midst of a waiting season, you literally are being carried. You guys remember that old poem, the footsteps one where Jesus, you know, the footsteps in the sand. You guys remember? We used to make fun of that in high school. I'll just be honest with you. But now as an older person, you remember, right? I used to make fun of that. Oh, Jesus was carrying you. But listen, I'll just be honest with you. As I was prepping for this and I was thinking about it, I was like, I now have real experiences where I look back on and I was in a waiting season and I literally look back and be like, oh my gosh, that poem was right. I thought I was just dragging myself through something and I realized, no, no, I wasn't being dragged. I was being carried. There was something powerful in that moment to realize. So maybe this morning you need to realize that a God is with you who is carrying you gently close to his heart and he is caring for you even in the midst of your waiting. And then Isaiah says this, because as we all know, we're waiting for God to show up and and Isaiah says, well, don't you know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning, right? (laughs) Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Listen, I don't know if you realize, and this is where he starts ramping up. And if I, if I get, think of how it's like, he's a preacher, I'm going to get preachy on you. Like, can, do you guys realize he's carrying you close to your heart? But have you not heard? Did you not know? Haven't you heard it from the beginning? Like, what kind of God you serve? Like, you're not serving a God who's not active. Like, he's not sitting back watching everything going, yeah, well, I wish it could be better. No, God is in the middle of it with you. Have you not realized? And then he says this, what he, what he says. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Do you guys know the God you serve? How big he really is? Have you thought for a moment, whatever you're waiting on, as God waits with you, his perspective is totally different than yours. Guys, I visited... uh, See, a year ago, back in 2021, my family got to go out to the Grand Canyon. And we, have a, we had a magical experience at the Grand Canyon. I'll just be honest with you. Like my wife uh, in college, she actually went out to the Grand Canyon and, and lived there for a summer. She actually went out there and worked as a hotel maid. And um, she got to go out to the rim of the Grand Canyon every morning uh, before work and just look at that beauty. And we got to be there and we showed up and there was a fog over the Grand Canyon. And we couldn't see anything. And we walked to the rim and we kept driving around. There's like all these different lookout points. And we drive and we go, well, don't take a picture here. You'll see clouds. Don't take a picture. And we did that all the way around. And it was threatening rain. And all these crazy things were happening. So we're like, let's just go check in at our lodge. This is a waste of time. We're not going to see anything today. Just go check in. And we go check in. And suddenly it starts clearing out. And we're like, oh my gosh, there is a rainbow over the canyon and we, you should have seen us. We were like busting it to get in the car, to get to the, to the rim of the Grand Canyon. And we're running along the path like, if we can get there, we'll see the rainbow over. And just as we get there, the rainbow, and it just kind of fades away. But we were like in this special moment, like we got to see what very few people got to see, this rainbow that's crossing across. And then it started snowing later that night. We went from thunderstorms and rainbows to snow at the Grand Canyon. I'm not joking you. It was really cool. And when we stood there the next day and we got to walk some of those trails, all I could think was, I am so small. I, 
I am so, so very small. And my problems and my circumstances are so very, very small to a God who looks down on this Grand Canyon and goes, oh, you mean that little thing? Guys, he sits enthroned on the earth. Do not forget that you are hoping in and believing in a powerful, powerful God that does not look at your life like you look at your life. He has a totally different perspective. And then he goes on to say, Isaiah writes this next, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. That's the kind of God you serve. And you sit and you pray. And I'll bet most of your prayers forget to just think about this one aspect that God is actually so big, he already knows. He's not over there passively watching you suffer and wait. He's doing something in the midst of that because every single day and every single night, he's in charge of everything you see and he's taking care of it all. Now listen, I know some of you are thinking, these are really encouraging words, Jared. Can, can I just... Can I just help you? I think Isaiah wrote this. Listen, it's not only encouraging from an abstract idea, like to think about how big God is and how expansive he is, but I want to just challenge you for a second. What if he meant this as a direct practical command? That when you forget that God is with you, how many of you actually go outside and physically and literally look up and remember How many times do you exit your house when you're worried about something and just go outside and look up? I don't know about you, but when I look at the stars and the moon, it's so big, it's so vast, it's so great. The physical reminder, scientists tell us that we are missing in our society the sense of awe. You know what the sense of awe is? Sense of awe is that thing that tells you that there is something greater than you. You know why we're missing it? Because we believe we control everything in our world. We can get, I can order right now while I'm standing on stage and talking to you, I can order my wife's Christmas gift. I'm in control. I can put in my calendar to remind me tomorrow to go to the store to pick up the groceries I ordered. I can call somebody on the other side of the world and talk to them face-to-face in a video call. I am in control of all kinds of stuff. I can drive, I can fly, I can get on a ship and go. Let me tell you what you can't do. You can't do that. I, I just want to impress upon you guys, this may be a physical reminder that you need if you're waiting and you are weary. What if you took Isaiah's tips as a real thing you need to do, to go out and look up. And then he wraps up with this. Okay, what, what happens when I look up? What, what's gonna happen? I'm in this waiting period. God is not following through. I'm waiting on this to happen. I'm waiting on somebody to get healed. I'm waiting on this to go away. I'm waiting on this to work. God, just send me something to... Here's what he says. Isaiah says, okay, you're doing that. You go out and you look up and he will give you strength. He gives you strength. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths go go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. This isn't about age. Even if you're young and you're waiting on something, it feels really difficult. It's not about you're getting older and you can't handle it. This is just about waiting. The last little piece, he says, and you guys know this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You guys know this next verse, if you read Isaiah 40 at all. Look at this last little pit. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here's what Isaiah says God is going to do for you in your waiting season. He's going to come alongside you. And he is going to make sure that you have the strength you need. But here's what it means for you to do that. That means you're going to have to transfer your hope from yourself and the physical things, the things you've been depending on. And you're going to have to transfer your hope to something that is not seen. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And it is wearisome. But when you do that, you see something larger. And if you can just... With me for a second, what, just what if? Now listen, I talked to some folks this week who are in, in seasons of waiting just so I could honestly say this to them and say this as a person who's experienced waiting. Listen, I know this isn't easy, but to depend upon God and to trust and hope in him more than you trust in yourself and the things around you, that is the way you get through it. Because that remnant of people in Judah, as they watched their country fall, guess what? When you look back at Matthew and Mark and Luke as they record when Jesus shows up, there is a remnant of people who were still waiting. They were expecting the Messiah to come any day now. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, there were people who got excited about it. Listen. I hope you don't have to wait 700 years for a prayer to get answered. But while you're waiting, can you take God's perspective for just a little while in the midst of your terrible weariness? And can you look at him and go, God, I know you're at work and I hope in you, no matter what's happening right now, I look and hope in you because I know you are faithful. Let me ask this final question again. Can you remain strong? When the waiting is so long, and you can, if you'll hope in the Lord, if your hope is truly about what he's going to do, and he's going to do something, and it may not look like you designed it, but as he does it, piece by piece, you can recognize it and go, yes, that's God helping me be strong. That is helping me. It may be a nurse who just prays with you. It could be a coworker who brings you a meal. It could be the simple fact that you know when you go outside and look up that you are not alone. I don't know what it's gonna be for you, but he will give you the strength and he will let you run and he will let you walk and not grow weary. I impress upon you. Can you turn your perspective from waiting with doubt to waiting in hope? And here's my hope for you this week, that you can be expectant on God showing up as much as I was for Castle of Grayskull. (laughs) That you could somehow turn your eyes to God in such a way that you go, God, this is really hard, 
But I know you're going to do something because you always come through. You come through for your people who hope in you. And may God this week give you the strength to wait. May he give you the patience to wait. And may he give you his presence to wait. Let me pray for you as we leave today. God in heaven, this is so difficult. God, I pray for the people who are here today who are waiting on you to answer. God, first of all, will you just come in and answer? <laughs> will you come in and give them what they need? But God, if not, if, if there's some reason we can't see, if there's something you're at work in that we can't see and, and the waiting is gonna continue, God, would you just give them strength? Would you give them the peace they need? Would you give them the patience they need? And would they give them the hope they need. And God, as you build their faith in you, God, keep giving them the people around them to encourage them. And God, for our church as a whole this morning, God, as we wait expectantly on you to do something in this place in the next year, as we pray for people who do not know that this place is a safe place to come and explore faith, God, I pray as we wait on that, we would wait expectantly knowing you're going to move. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church or to find our app or our YouTube channel, just visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.